You're looking at the big picture with Edwin Eisentraff on WCPT 820. Okay, welcome back. I have a treat for all of you. Um, and it's important, you know, whether you live in Illinois or any other state, these are really interesting stories. Nabila Saeed is new to our show, new to elective office, and you're going to want to get to know her. She flipped a GOP state house district in northwest, sort of northwest of Chicago. This is traditionally a red part of the state, and she didn't flip a vacancy. She took out an incumbent. So I, I, I just think this is this is a remarkable thing. Uh, congratulations. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me on. It's an honor. Now, the honor is mine. I mean, you talk about how you just did what you did, how you how you brought people together and, uh, and, and took out an incumbent in a traditionally Republican part of the state. Of course, it's very exciting to even reflect on it. We've been uh, campaigning for over a year by the time November 8th rolled around. And um, initially, when we launched our campaign, there were folks that were a bit hesitant about it, especially considering, like you mentioned, it's held, it was held previously by an incumbent Republican. It's a traditionally red area. But I think we approached it with a with a new perspective, and I would lend that to being a bit younger and my campaign manager being a bit younger and growing up in this community and seeing that people are looking for different leadership, um, leadership that listens to folks that live here and is willing to do the work and demonstrate that they're going to do the work to reflect their interests in Springfield. So, you know, we did we did what was most important, and we talked to people, knocked on their doors, and gave them a reason to vote. Um, and I'm very excited that many people resonated with our message, and you know, the the election demonstrated that. So, um, there's a lot that you said that I like, but none more than the words "hard work." <laughs> you you. you uh, you you need to tell everybody because you ran an incredible door to door campaign. Like, like, how many doors did you guys uh, knock on? So I knocked um, twenty thousand doors myself, and um, our team knocked on over fifty five thousand doors altogether. Uh, so yes, it, it, there was a lot of hard work, and it was a lot of. I would like to note too, there were a lot of folks that had never been politically involved previously, um, but were, you know, wanted to get involved in the campaign and they started knocking on doors, which is a very difficult ask in the first place. So to see so many people in the community want to, you know, care so much about the campaign to even knock on doors, that made, that made the difference in this race. So I'm very grateful. Uh, And I've talked to, um, People like Ben Wickler, um, Lavora Barnes, these are the heads of the state parties in Michigan and Wisconsin about the organizations they've built to, and, and what, what they've discovered, and I think what you've proven, is that when you talk to your neighbors and you get them to get involved and you get them to start talking to each other, you aren't just getting somebody elected. You're not just getting yourself elected. You're actually engaged in the work of building stronger communities. Did you feel that? Yes. And I think um, at a time when politics feels kind of icky to many people with what happened in 2016, with the rise of far-right extremism, I think on the ground, people 
who traditionally identify, who used to identify with a single political party, but now because of what, what, with what happened with Roe v. Wade, what's happening with gun violence in our country, um, they just want to feel like their leaders are acting on issues that are affecting them. And I think that is what door-to-door, face-to-face conversations accomplish. It allows you to put aside some of the stuff that you're seeing on the news, um, on all these news channels, and actually talk to someone who's trying to represent you in the community or talk to someone on the team who's excited about a candidate or about a campaign. Um, and it it creates more personal relationships. So I think you're 100% right it's so important right now for us to work on building community and finding areas where we agree. And there are many folks that have voted for me that disagree with me on issues that are very important to me. Like I, w- I had folks that are not pro-choice, but voted for me because they're just glad I knocked on their door and I heard out their thoughts. Um, and they're willing to be excited about the things that we might agree on. Um, so it, it was interesting to even see those dynamics play out when I was outside the polling locations on Election Day and having these conversations. Uh, but it is 100 percent about building stronger communities and yeah. giving people a reason yeah. to vote. Yeah, people uh, generally loathe politics when they look at it on TV. But when they engage in it, when they do what you just did, they find um, such optimism in it and such a sense of belonging with their neighbors that they can actually make an optimism. It can make a difference, even if it's on the margins, make a difference in your life. Um, I, I, I think it's wondrous and I'm so grateful to you for having brought that level of engagement to part of our state. Thank you so much. I, I'm, um, I'm very grateful for the people that, we're willing to even hear me out at the doors. It's easy to not even open the doors. Everyone's got a ring camera these days. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And when you see someone with a campaign flyer in their hand, it's easy to ignore them. But there were many people that opened their doors that were willing to listen and people that stopped me on the streets. I I actually rode around on an electric scooter <laughs> because, mm. you know, the more north you get here in the northwest suburbs of Chicago, the driveways are like a quarter mile long. And it just makes it easier to scooter right on up to someone's yep, yep. you know front door and have that conversation. So people in the community started identifying me on the streets because they saw me rolling around on a on a scooter. Um, so it, it was nice to even bring that level of engagement with folks and uh, bring that kind of excitement out. And I think our campaign, our team, the young people, the high school students that were knocking on doors, that were reaching out, figuring out ways to get involved. It's all you know. It's all because of the hard work that so many folks did here on the ground. I, I just I love that for so many reasons. Um, I also think um, most operatives, political operatives, and many uh, uh, commentators on both sides or all sides on TV and elsewhere misunderstand how um, interesting, complicated, smart, ordinary Americans are. I mean, you are a young Muslim American. You wear a headscarf, right? You you know, there are people who would say, oh, in a conservative part of a state like Illinois, this is like not possible. But but I think you were by and large welcomed by people. Yes. um, You know, lots of people, you're exactly spot on about that. 
I wouldn't say lots of people, but the few folks that, you know, did, when I was asking around opinions, you know, asking folks that had been involved in the space, if I should run for office, uh, many of them were, their face would drop because they could not understand why someone who, at my age, at that time I was 22 years old, now I'm 23, wearing, uh, you know, a hijab, a headscarf on my head, very visibly Muslim, Indian-American, why I would think, why I would have maybe the, even the audacity to think that I could flip a Republican-held seat uh, in, a, in a part of the state that's been traditionally conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that, though, you know, thankfully I'm glad that I had lots of folks, including my own campaign manager, who's a good friend of mine, uh, who encouraged me and who told me to run. Um, so it helped me kind of drown out the other voices and focus on the actual plan of talking to voters and meeting them where they're at. But I think it goes to show that People like me are electable. And not only are we electable, but we're electable in difficult districts. So if you see candidates that are willing to put in the work, that have a plan, that have a desire to serve, you know, and I know there are many other factors, but try to try to take a few, you know, a few pauses before you ever discourage anyone, before you, um, you know, maybe think that it won't work out. Because I'd like to think that now our our campaign and our race is an example of a time where it did work out. And if we continue to believe in candidates of color and young young people in our country, um, we can flip even more difficult districts. But uh, I'm very I'm very excited about hopefully what kind of example this sets and you know the folks that have been in similar positions like me who have uh, made difficult races winnable. Um, and how that has even inspired me. So I hope this adds on to that list. I I think it absolutely does. It also extends a long history in the United States of groups of people coming in and saying, I can't run for office. I'm Jewish. I can't run for office. I'm Italian. I, you know, whatever it was at the moment, I can't run for office. I'm from Mexico. But, but it turns out, you know what? You can, you do, and you have all the stuff to contribute. And Americans want, I mean, we're not without our bigotry, God knows, but we, we love talented people who want to do the work. And government work is actually hard work. Yeah. And th- I think that should be the biggest, um, the biggest fact. Maybe, I mean, I don't want to say this, uh, that right, but like maybe one of the bigger factors when determining this quote unquote electability, uh, you know, when you're determining whether or not a candidate is electable, I hate even saying that, is trying to see how much work they're willing to put in. Because I think the amount of work that you put in a campaign is reflective of the amount of work that you'll put in for your constituents if you, you know, if you get the honor of being elected. Yeah. And yeah. I think that is what people on the ground saw. So, regardless of what political operatives might say, people have been. Uh, and I know there are so many folks that have incredible expertise in campaigns and in this field. Um, but I think that we are coming on to like this new age of campaigning and we are seeing so many folks who might have been traditionally considered unelectable uh, winning races. And, you know, yeah, it's like, fabulous. I'll even say, yeah, I'll even say I used to internet Emily's list, but we used to talk mm-hmm. a lot about whether or not certain women would be electable and how dangerous that rhetoric is. So at a certain point, women were not even considered electable. Um, right. But as we, as we move through time, I'm, and as we move through election seasons, 
I'm excited to see groups that were considered unelectable. You know, we're not we're not having those conversations as much, I would like to think. And hopefully eventually we'll stop having those conversations that just exclude certain groups from being involved in running from off running for office. Yeah. And and you bring different perspective, different um, um, experience with you that that just strengthens the whole. Um, when you get to Springfield, um Legislating is is work, and I mean, I I think of in uh, what Lauren Underwood has done in a very short time as a congressperson um, from Illinois. Just the ability to pick some issues and to really dig in and understand how legislation can impact people's lives for the better, and then to do the work to turn that to write that legislation and get it passed. Um, you can change people's lives and you have, you, you know, but only if you do the work, right? There are a lot of people you're going to find in your colleagues who might not do the work. It's not universal that everybody's going to work as hard as you have. Um, so you could be a leader in Springfield. I, I, I think my first step even getting to Springfield is, is learning because there are so many folks that have been doing this yep. work for decades for a few years. And even in your first term, I think there are so many folks that are going on to their second term and have learned so much. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to just start at that point at the learning stage and trying to be as effective as possible in areas where I can be effective. And an important po- point you made about focusing on a certain uh, group of issues rather than trying to tackle it all. And this past month, you know, I had new member orientation earlier at, in late November. And since then, I've been meeting with different legislators, continuing to knock on doors, actually, and uh, continuing to talk to different organizations, stakeholders to figure out how exactly I could tackle the issues that I'm uh, most passionate about, which ended up actually being um, issues related to senior residents in our community, from property taxes mm. from, to prescription costs uh, to even, you know, looking at how we can be better at allowing for, you know, home care for folks that have Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, those have actually become some of the issues just from knocking on doors that I've become so passionate about. So I've been doing a lot of work to, become more knowledgeable in those subject matters so that hopefully when I get down to Springfield, um, I could, I could hit the ground running. So on top of everything else, you're going to be an intergenerational star. I think it's just fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. Let me talk to you about um, something uh, a little different. Illinois has, I think about 350,000 Muslims. um, And until recently there were none in the state legislature. Now in this election, there are two. You, you're half of them, right? Um, this is. I think Illinois has one of the largest per capita Muslim populations of any state. So, so your election is overdue um, from that perspective. But it puts a particular leadership burden on both you and on um, your colleague Abdel Nasser Rashid, who was also elected this cycle, because. There are going to be 350,000 people who are going to say they're going to look to you as the elected leadership of a community. What does that feel like? I think um, I think what's 
what me and both Abdul Nasser have been doing throughout our, our campaigns is engaging a lot with the Muslim community in our state. And if we've learned anything, it's that everyone has an opinion and they may not necessarily agree on some issues. They, there may be agreement, but there is a... Um, a, you know this fundamental belief in Islam that many that many Muslims have of just taking care of your neighbors, of your brothers and sisters, and um, you know when I'm talking about brothers and sisters, I'm talking about your entire community. Like we refer to folks mm-hmm. as brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. and um, and the fundamentals of like increasing access to healthcare, so no one has to go without you know access to treatment. Um, you know, prov- working to stop the opioid crisis, uh, expanding access to mental health care. There are many issues that are that fundamentally many Muslims agree upon, um, mm-hmm. if not all. And I think it's those issues where we're excited to to make progress on, even expanding access to, you know, more Muslim-related issues, like expanding access to halal food in uh, public schools, in uh, mm-hmm. halal and kosher foods. I know in, this, uh, in the previous legislative session, they allowed for Eid for students to take off on religious holidays, including Eid, but including many other holidays for different religious faith uh, communities mm-hmm. and faith groups. So there's a lot of work uh, that needs to be done, but there's been a lot of work that has been done. That's you know important to note also, like the Illinois Muslim Civic Coalition and different organizations that have been working to to bring together different Muslims of different backgrounds. Islam is an incredibly diverse religion, too. So you have many people that you're trying to build together and build a coalition so that we have a stronger voice in our state. So I think me and Abdul Nasser are excited about, you know, being being a strong ally, of course, to the Muslim community and being in the Muslim community and advocating for for the, the shared interests that we have. Yeah, and just the is, fact that you got elected... It's, it makes the, the whole community more visible to the rest mm-hmm. of the state, um, which is so long past due. Um, and I, I, again, I think it resounds entirely to the benefit of the state. Yes, I'd like to think so, too. And it's very, it's very exciting to, to be visibly Muslim, to wear a hijab on my head. You know, I started wearing it by my own choice, but there, there has never been a hijab wearing the state legis- you know, state legislator. So it's exciting to, to create that representation. But Representative Teresa Ma is someone who I look up to very much so because she was the first Asian American in the, the state legislature, but she made sure she was not the last. And in a few short years, she has tremendously increased Asian American representation mm-hmm. um, because she's rallied behind candidates and campaigns that Maybe folks, you know, going back to the point of electability, maybe others wouldn't think that I was necessarily electable, but their representative Teresa Mondid and Senator Ram Dilley-Bellum did. So having folks like that come behind candidates that, like myself, um, and I hope to do that for, for future candidates as well. And, um, you know, the, the really interesting thing about this conversation is you, um, you bring your own history. Um, people who share, well, I'm, I, you, the, at least the faith tradition, it's not one culture, it's many, many in Islam, but who share the, the faith tradition are proud to have you there. And yet, what you're proving to America is that you can do the great job of representing, I don't know, a, a 
someone who is an evangelical Christian who lives, you know, in your district, that, that we don't have to elect people who are exactly like us to represent us. That's not the democracy we have. We can be really proud when people like us win, whether they represent us or not. But we have people who just work hard, who do the job. And that's what you showed in this campaign. Uh, yes, I sure I sure hope so, because I, I'll be honest, I don't look like a majority of the district, definitely, in the northwest suburbs. So right. you have so many people who don't look like me, who might not be in the same, you know, same religion, same ethnic background, but still believe. And I think that's what makes our country so beautiful. It is that because yeah. we are a melting pot, you know, so many different folks, so many different backgrounds. And, um, and you know, I it, People like me are electable in districts that don't necessarily, because you're never going to find a district that looks majority like me. Um, but it's it's important that we still elect folks that don't necessarily look like their entire district, because then it would it would make our country a bit less diverse, <laughs> or our state legislature less diverse. Right, and that is actually a problem of gerrymandering that has impacted states um, where. People draw lines in order to uh, stamp out differences in districts. And that, that um, is, you know, politicians have picked their voters for a long time, and it's not good for the country. Um, but to, you are proof that it doesn't have to be that way. Thank you. I, I'm excited about that. Okay. So um, you're going to go down there, and you're going to learn. Are there committees you want to be on? And... Um, what are you most excited about? I know it's not the commute. Um, yes, definitely not the commute. I'm still trying to figure out if it's better for me to drive or to take the, you know, go into the city and take the train down. Um, I think what I said earlier about just learning, there is so much learning to do. Um, and thankfully, you know, it's, it's not been that long since I've been in college, so I'm <laughs> familiar mm-hmm. with how to do it well. But um I think there are so many incredible people that are there. And when I walked onto the house floor, it felt like I was pinching myself because there's so many people that I look up to that I'm so excited to, to learn from. So continuing to have those conversations, talking to folks that are, that specialize in certain issues and learning from them. And that is what's very, very exciting to me. So I'm still trying to figure out, you know, which committees I would be, which uh, committees I would be most effective mm-hmm. in, um, which ones I would be important for our community and my district. Um, and, but having those conversations is the first step. So I'm talking to anyone and everyone. I just had a very interesting conversation about property taxes that, you know, I didn't think coming into this election, that would be something that I just want to learn endlessly about. But here we are. <laughs> Well, if you can find ways to support uh, local government across this state with something other than property tax revenue, you will be uh, a hero. Uh, that is a <laughs> that is a that is a that is a phenomena that unites everyone in this state. <laughs> that property taxes we rely on them a lot in Illinois. Yes, we do. <laughs> so um, I know this from my own life, entering a, a different kind of legislature as a young person. I think I was your age. Um, in spending time, the, the legislators themselves, the other seat holders, are very diverse, more diverse than anything you've ever encountered in the community that you live. Um, and they represent, of course, every part of this state. Just learning about the state through their eyes, 
and their communities through their eyes is one of the most wonderful um, experiences. And I hope that you find it fascinating and fulfilling. I feel like I already am. So I'm excited to just keep doing it. Um, but yes, mm-hmm. definitely feeling very grateful that I'm even in this position um, to learn from all these incredible folks that have done so much work for our state and are continuing to do so much work with, for our state and to do that work alongside them. It's, it's an honor of a lifetime. Uh, well, uh, Representative Said, um, as a property tax paying you know, nearly senior. I am deeply grateful to have you down there. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, and uh, I hope you will come back sometime in the new year to talk about, you know, all the things that you've learned and whether, uh, uh, you know, it's not a wide-eyed experience anymore that you've seen you know, you've suddenly become a crusty old uh you know, hardened legislator. Uh, if, if there's any of that transition, you know, or you fought it off, I'd love to hear about it. Well, I would love to be back. And thank you so much for having me on today. I really appreciated the conversation and I'm excited to get to work. All right, everybody. That is one of the newest uh, legislators in Illinois, Nabila Saeed, who <laughs> worked like... Every candidate should, but almost none do. Knocked on unbelievable number of doors, and those doors were far away, and still managed uh, to unite a district um, that, you know, in a way that is just inspiring. She's got a great future. Um, stay tuned. We're going to take a break for the news, and when we come back, Yasmin Rajdi, the executive director of Swing Left, is going to join us. We have to talk about what happened and what is about to happen. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Big Picture with Edwin Eisendraft on WCPT 820.